We're back, Husker fans, with another episode of Generation Red, the Kettle Corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet, but at times we get salty. It is the 21st anniversary of 9-11. 21 years ago today, the world changed forever. And not to minimize that, but (laughs) in many ways, as of today, the Huskers football team's world has changed quite a bit, too, for a bunch of 18 to 24-year-old kids. Their lives are not going to be the same after today, as Scott Frost was fired. Um, shortly uh, this morning or later this afternoon after the debacle in, uh, or as I call it, the defensive dingleberry that was the game against Georgia Southern, which Nebraska lost 45-42 to after a valiant effort by the offense. Go figure. Casey Thompson was money for four quarters and uh, just wasn't enough because the defense wasn't. They they got robbed, literally, by the Georgia Southern team who decided they figured out what the weaknesses were and they just spent the entire game exploiting them while defensive coordinator Eric Schneider couldn't figure out what the fuck to do about it. Which mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure why Frosthead is the first one on the chopping block. I think Eric Schneider's might, should be on the same side, but I think Trev Alberts alluded to that a little bit in his press conference earlier today. Wish we had some footage of it, but we don't. We're going to spend the next few minutes kind of recapping the game. And then after that, we will take some time and uh, open it up to you. Question and answer period. Um, Whatever you want to take. If you want to be a part of the stream, you are more than welcome to. I will post a link down in the live chat of this show so that you can jump in on the stream with us. Uh, so anyway, while I come up with that link and copy it so I can post it in the chat later and cause I'm terrible at running streams, Scott, why don't you give the folks kind of your overall impressions of last night? We sat next to each other the whole time and you just kind of had to laugh when you got toward the end of the game, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> Husker Nation, we are at a change, a big change for the college football program. As I stated in the comment section of the Go Big Red cast live stream that I believe is still going right now, um, we are in the desert. We have just entered the desert. We have left the Egyptian, <laughs> the Egyptian <laughs> enslavement. And we have now entered the desert and what is supposedly supposed to be a promised land could potentially be 40 years of wandering around, um, which we've already pretty much done for the last 10 years. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite, it was quite a painful game to watch, but I was, I was weirdly enough serene and calm and just kind of accepted it last week when I was watching the North Dakota game, there really wasn't a sense that we were going to lose that game. The way that I interpreted what I saw on the field was that we were going to win the game. Mm-hmm. And this was not the case, this whole game. It felt like before kickoff, you know, there was an atmosphere. The sun yeah. was coming out after a pretty much cloudy and rainy day. And I'm with my parents. I'm with my wife. I had just eaten a delicious I've just eaten a delicious meal with my wife and a few of her friends, and I truly felt good. And then, uh, and then Boom. kickoff happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and just it just seemed right from the get go when we just sputtered out 
on our first drive, went three and out, and then they went down and scored on us. I just, I just knew. I was like, this is it. This is the this is the game, and I think that's why I was able to just remain calm throughout the entire game. And and you know, I got if if I wasn't calm, I was excited when we were doing things right. I I was really excited to see our offense really take off, and see some talents on our offense just once again prove their ability to be good. Um, I've held some reservations with certain individuals. Um, up to this point because you know yeah we played against North Dakota we played against Northwestern let's see how they continue to do such as Anthony Grant or a Trey Palmer um, right. or Marcus Washington um, Casey Thompson etc um, this game really did solidify for me that they are some dogs they are some they are some good no they are some good talent that we've got going for us right now um, but alas when it came down to the final moments of the game, Georgia Southern pulled off the upset. And I did have to laugh at uh, PSC highlights, one of my favorite YouTube channels for keeping up with what's going on in the college football world, you know, crazy game enders and et cetera. Um, one of the top comments of the video that was essentially titled, uh, Scott Frost is going to be packing his bags after this. Um <laughs> And the top comment, I just had to laugh at it just out of pure, uh, just, just pure nihilistic, uh, behavior is just, it was like, uh, what was it? Nebraska almost pulled the upset on Georgia Southern. And, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I just had to laugh at that. Cause I, is like, is that really where we're at in our program? Um, I suppose so. Um, yeah. but I want to save a lot of the things that we're going to talk about when it comes to Frost getting fired and, and Trev's comments and um, the, the college football world in general, Reddit, Twitter, everything that's been exploding in the last uh, six hours. Um, I'll save that. But I just want to commend uh, Georgia Southern, the Eagles. They came into Memorial yeah. Stadium with a, a thirst for blood. They – the way that they looked, they looked like they knew they were going to win. There wasn't a single player that I could see down on that field, even though it was from a really high up uh, 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 perspective. Mm-hmm. It looked like they knew they were going to win. Their their demeanor showed that they were going to win, and they did. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dad, what were your overall impressions of the game? that we lost last night. Oh boy. Um, your microphone is. Oops. I hit mute by accident when I thought I turned it on. My bad. Sorry. No folks. worries. Yeah. My mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, my overall impressions are boiled down to one word on, on the defensive side. Uh, unprepared. They looked unprepared. Didn't look like they knew how to line up. Looked like uh, the defensive backfield was constantly shifting around and everybody was pointing and screaming. Seemed like there were way too many Chiefs um, trying to tell everybody what to do. And then half the time when Georgia Southern would bust off a, a big play, they'd just barely get lined up. 
Um, and we saw it from up there. Uh, one of those long runs that, thank God, Buford's really damn fast. Otherwise, that's a long touchdown. Um, we saw it up there. And we don't know X's and O's. But we're like, there's a space right there. That's where we're going to run. And sure as shit, that's exactly where they ran the ball. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> Unprepared is what I would say for the defense. Uh, tenacious is the word I would give the offense. Um, you give holy cow! This nope. dog is freaking out. Not my dog. Everything. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. It's it's part of the organic. They're they're pissed off at Scott Frost too. So, um, it's just <sighs> the offense looked tenacious. I mean, they gave an A plus effort. I mean, would you? have guessed that in uh i don't want to bring up the other name the number two with with verdusco on the sidelines coaching him would have been able to in you know engineer a lot of those drives um that that tied the score over and over again and then eventually took a lead i i don't have a whole lot of confidence i think casey's a pretty damn good quarterback and i think we've got some receivers that are just like their their position coach who is now their head coach tenacious don't give a shit who's playing in front of them they're going to beat them and they're going to get the ball they're going to go get it um i was highly impressed with the receivers output i was highly impressed with anthony grant aj allen is going to be a beast don't be surprised folks if by the end of the season anthony grant might be a little dinged and aj allen's going to be the guy going for 140 a game um and which means you're probably going to see a couple of guys we don't want in the transport transfer portal go into the transfer portal, but who knows? Um, yeah. Unprepared on defense, tenacious on offense. That that would be the two words I would describe the game yesterday. What do you think? You think I'm off my rocker? Or do you think that's a pretty good summation? No, I think that's I think that's pretty good. I think our offense still has a lot left to be desired especially once we get into these bigger bigger name games that's that'll be when i officially am able to make like a, a tried and true interpretation of what our offense brings to the table um right. but i mean the writing is on the wall with the defense yeah unprepared physically immature i just can't express how disappointing it is to see this defensive performance this year um i know i've said this many times but my bold prediction which is clearly wrong absolutely (laughs) objectively wrong was that i thought that the defense was going to take a step forward this year um me too worst defense like you were saying in the stadium worst defense we've seen since 2017 it Mm -hmm. is it is abysmal and you can look at our offense and say, I think they can potentially compete with some of these higher tier teams in the, in this upcoming rest of our season. But you look at our defense and you're looking at it. Like, I feel like we're at rock bottom defensively right now. And it's only going to get worse. Like there's nothing you can really do to, to recover from this. Like, there's no amount of coaching that's gonna that's gonna fix this in a game or two. Maybe potentially in the last stretch of the season, we might see them take a some sort of like step forward. But that's really saying something because they they would step forward to still below average performance wise. Yeah. And yeah. it is just it was so sickening to watch it. Granted, 
Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe North Dakota has a better offense than we think. Maybe Georgia Southern has mm-hmm. a better offense than we think with Clay Helton. Maybe this Northwestern team that just lost to Duke, maybe they have a better offense and they just had a bad week, you know, whatever. Those things still have yet to be uh, fully written out in stone. Um, but good I, God, good yeah. God, awful, yeah. just awful. I think Clay Helton might be a little bit better coach than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Uh, 2014, uh, after we fired Bo Pelini, we went to the Holiday Bowl, played a Clay Helton coached uh, USC team in the Holiday Bowl, and uh, they beat us. Outshot. It was a, it was a shootout, much like this game was, uh, because I don't know what it was, but our defense couldn't figure out how to stop that offense. So Helton's pretty good at uh, scheming things up. And speaking of which, I'm just going to jump to one of the bullet points I had put in our outline for tonight. Um, <laughs> Garrett Nelson at the podium. Uh, and, and I had to shake my head. I was like, uh, what? Which is comes back to my comment on the defense looked unprepared because Nelson said that Georgia Southern did nothing that they had not practiced for. Uh but the defense had their eyes in the wrong place the whole game is what he said. That was in essence, his word. We just, our eyes were in the wrong place. Well, shoot. If you practiced against it all week long, how in the hell are your eyes in the wrong place? Unless the coach on the other sideline figured out, Hey, this is how we put their eyes in the wrong place. Cause this is what their tendencies are. And yeah, that's exactly what happened for four quarters. There was, other than two interceptions and one damn punt, one, one Georgia Southern punt from a Sunbelt Conference, this defense had no answers. None. And the only Maybe reason we got those two INTs, yeah, yeah, the only reason we got the two INTs is because A, Buford's a hell of an athlete, and B, you know, Stephon Wynn actually got a little bit of a um, little bit of pressure, and Garrett Nelson got a little bit of pressure, but neither one of them got home. They just forced an interception. Now I will take that. I will take that. Guys constantly making a quarterback make bad decisions, but he didn't make a lot of bad decisions the other night. He didn't last night. I mean, he was thirty-seven of fifty-six for four hundred and nine yards passing. That's a pretty good percentage, probably right in that sixty percent range, sixty sixty-two. While at, while Casey was about the same, 23 for 34, you know, so <laughs> I, good Lord, I, I just, I was at a loss when we were walking out. Um, I just kind of jokingly said to the people around me, well, there's a whole lot of defensive coaches that should be looking for a job tomorrow uh, because I honestly didn't think Frost should have been fired for last night, but now looking back, yeah. He's the one that made sure that his buddies came with him from UCF. Um, and I don't know if you caught it last night. I was up till two o'clock in the morning, not because I couldn't sleep, but because there were post-game reaction uh, videos that I watched live streams. One was from the Go Big Redcast, which was excellent, by the way. If you guys ever, if you're watching us right now, please make sure you're subscribed to their YouTube channel um, because they did an excellent job recapping uh, the post game um, with Dave and Boomer on the field where they were at the pregame and then Red, uh, Redcast Rob and Honky uh, back at the hotel. And they did a great job recapping the game. And they kind of said what a lot of us were thinking the next two weeks are going to be really weird, but I don't think any of us thought that the very next day frost was going to be gone. Um, wow. And then of course um, the Husker online did one 
they were up till one o'clock in the morning doing theirs with Sipple, uh, Sean Callahan, and and uh, Robin Washett. And they basically said the same thing: it's only a matter of time. We don't. We know it will. We just don't know when. Well, the when happened today. What about noon? At least that's when it yeah. came across the wire with ESPN. It probably happened two hours before then or more. Um, so there we go. So why don't we take a look at the game before we kind of talk about all the minutia and all that crap that comes along with the frost frost being fired. Um, Nebraska surrendered 642 yards to the Georgia Southern team. Uh, and until last night, Nebraska was 214 and oh when scoring over 35 points in Memorial Stadium in their history. First time in Nebraska's history that they scored over 35 points and lost. <laughs> is there, other than the sellout streak, is there any shit left that we can screw up? <laughs> any streak left that we can get rid of? I mean, somebody's got to have another stat out there that we can figure out how to screw up sometime in the next few weeks or a few years, whatever the case may be. Because a lot of those streaks started dropping, oh, 2002. Yeah. You know, back yeah. after after Osborne was gone, we started losing some of those streaks. Um, Georgia State had 35 first downs. Nebraska had 33. Uh, Georgia State was 9 of 13 on third down. Nebraska, coincidentally, was 9 of 13 on third down, too. So pretty decent efficiency. They were 2 for 2 on fourth down, whereas Nebraska mm-hmm. didn't go for it on fourth down at all when they should have with fourth and a foot early in that third quarter, if I remember correctly. And we didn't. May because they hadn't stopped us. They hadn't stopped us. We punted what twice, so they really didn't stop us last night. Uh, so two hundred and fifty-six yard, two hundred fifty-seven yards rushing for the Huskers, five point five yards per rush, which outpaced Georgia Southern, who only ran it only ran it for two hundred and thirty-three, but they averaged seven point eight yards per rush. So you know, is what it is. Uh, they threw, as I said a minute ago, they threw the ball 56 times, completing it 37 for 409 yards. And uh, Nebraska threw it 34 times, uh, 23 completions, 318 yards. 20, 28 minutes of time of possession for Georgia Southern versus just about 32 for Nebraska. So it was, it was rough. Um, it was rough. And, um, you know, we had, we did what we did and we didn't do what we needed to do bottom line. So thank God your mom came down and told me that my camera had shut off because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt your flow. <laughs> we, we got to, we you just got to love organic podcasts like this one. Cause, uh, whew. anyway, as I said earlier, my impression of especially Casey Thompson, he was absolutely money all game long, always had to fight from behind and you and use wide receivers were tenacious. Grant needs to be given the ball at least 20 times a game and Allen at least 10. And who knows, maybe down the road, those two will flip flop. But uh, I was impressed with both of them. Um, anyway, that's kind of my wrap up for the game itself. Uh, any of those, and I don't have a game breaker of the game. Cause even though you could say it could be Casey, it could be Marcus Washington. It could be, um, Anthony Grant. It could be any one of those three guys. I didn't pick between the three because the important story here is not really the game. It's about what we're going to talk about in a little bit, which is frost being gone. Um, and I really, there were 
no game wreckers for the defense other than Marquise Buford catching getting two INTs. Uh, that's it. Other than that, there really wasn't too many guys that were making a big difference on defense. So that's really – and I don't give six creps from Sunday about our over-under at all. I don't care. I don't care. We got no sacks. Wasn't that our over-under? Was sacks. So we got yeah. none. Um, or no, three rushing no. TDs by running backs, and we did we did do that. Uh, between the quarterback – hell, the quarterback got three by himself. Yeah. So um, – we both picked the over, I think, or did we pick the number? Because uh, <laughs> Grant and uh, Alan both had one, if I remember correctly. Casey had three, and we remember. had one touchdown pass. So we, we we picked the number. We still lost, so we're both at minus one. And coincidentally, we're minus one coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that just popped into my head, and I had to say it. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead. Are we pretty much done? Do you have anything else you want to say about the game itself, or should we just go ahead and move on to um, talk about Frost and what we think the future holds for Nebraska's coaching staff? Um, well, I just wanted to just touch one more thing on the well, – I want to say one more thing. I just wanted to add on to the running backs. Yeah, I am really excited to see what Anthony Grant and A.J. Allen can do in tandem with each other looking forward to the rest of the season because I, I really think that they are going to be our bread and butter, our go-to type of game plan in order to stay in some of these games so long as we don't get strung out too early on in, in any game. Um, right. Yeah, I, I'm still going like, to reserve my overall interpretation of Anthony Grant once he starts competing against better competition, um, but sure. it looks good. It looks good yep. in our running back room, um, and I just fingers crossed that it comes to fruition when we start playing these bigger opponents with better lines and yep. better secondaries and linebackers and all mm-hmm. that. Um, but I mean, his shiftiness—you can't you can't deny the eye test of his shiftiness and his elusiveness. And same thing with uh, AJ Allen. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. dude had basically ten yards average every time he touched the ball. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I mean, shoot, I'll take a essentially if I can do some quick math here, two hundred and ten yards rushing a game between two running backs. I'll take that, um, even if it only translates into one hundred and seventy-five yards rushing per game when we get to these bigger name opponents. Um, I'll take that. So, yep. Um, yep. That's all. That's the last thing I had to say. We I pretty much covered my views on our defense and uh, overall impressions mm-hmm. of our offense right at the beginning. So, I'll just leave it yeah. at that. Let's move on to the next uh, the next portion here. Alrighty, so here we are, folks. We have reached a point that none of us thought we would reach. Um, and if you're watching at this point, um, and if you're on Twitter watching, and you. Uh, would like to join us in this conversation, you can. I just posted a link in uh, in our Facebook page as well as our YouTube uh, live, live chat area to join the conversation. You're more than welcome to do so. Twitter does not allow you to comment on the video. Unfortunately, Twitter also doesn't allow us to put comments out there for you to find on Twitter. So, Either find our Facebook page at GenRedPod or look for us on YouTube at GenRedPod as well. Subscribe to the channel. Get into the live chat. 
click the link that puts you into StreamYard with us. You can hang out in the studio and we could talk about what Nebraska is going to do um, going forward. You only need a smartphone and a set of earbuds. That really is it because StreamYard does all the rest for you. So as long as you have good data, you can hang out with us right here on this stream and vent your frustration. You can uh, share your sadness at losing a well, Nebraska's favorite son, if you will, uh, as our head coach, or you can just come on and say just how right you were about the fact that Frost wasn't the guy for the last five years. I would just ask one thing of all three camps, be respectful. Don't call anybody an idiot. Don't call anybody a fool. That's the quickest way to get booted. Uh, I was wrong. I thought Frost was the guy. Um, more than willing to admit that I absolutely was wrong. Uh, and I was more willing to give him far more grace than most people were. But as a fan, I felt it was more important to be a fan first and to be right second. So ah, here we are waiting for folks to join us. But um, your first thoughts, Scott, because I know I didn't know he got fired. Uh, we were doing lunch stuff and we had just gotten home from church, which was really encouraging. I kind of needed that this morning. <laughs> you know, and uh, you had sent to our family group text that Frost had been fired according to a screenshot you pulled from ESPN. Um, right out of the gate, your first gut reaction when you heard that Frost was fired, what what hit you first? Was it thank God or was it, oh God, this sucks. We're going to do this all over again. Uh, it was neither one of those things. My first thought was more so along the lines of, wow, okay, right now. You know, okay. like you had alluded to earlier with uh, Husker Online and the Go Big mm -hmm. Red Cast and and all of all of the sports media pundits, it was, it was, it wasn't a question of if; it was a question of when. And right. that was my thought going to bed last night, and my thought this morning, just scrolling through Twitter, of like, when is it going to happen? Is it going to be after October first? And my heart of hearts, my thought was sooner the better the sooner the better there's got to be a booster out there who's willing to cover that 7.5 million difference between now and october 1st and for sure Rumor mill has it is that there was but obviously trev didn't want to comment on that with his press conference but <laughs> yeah. um yeah my initial gut reaction was okay it's happened now and then my second thought was actually relief it it felt like it felt like in my past when I've been in relationships that I knew weren't going to work out. And then it finally came to the point where there was a mutual separation between me and this other person. Yes. There's a, a heartbreak that, that immediately comes emotionally, sure. but then there is the logical thought of like, okay, well now I can move on to something else mm -hmm. and, and focus on what the future holds. Um, and that was kind of how I felt. I felt like a relationship had just ended between a significant other. And it, it wasn't like, it wasn't An abusive like relationship, so to speak. Yes. As I have metaphorically explained in the past, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, an abusive relationship as a Husker fan for the last four years. I swear it'll change. Oh, he's really good when people aren't around. I swear. Um, right. Anyway, um, yeah, and then, and then my third thought was, we're in the desert, you know, like where where do we go? 
what mm. what do we do who do we hire there there isn't a home run hire per se anymore like yes you could look at it with potential and say there's a home run hire but until they're actually the head coach and they actually start coaching games, you're not going to know what product you get from any hire at any point. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I am going to be looking at for the next few months going into November. Cause I imagine that whoever we're going to hire will probably have a decision made by November. Um, and mm-hmm. when that time comes, you know, set my expectations at the bare minimum, just goodness gracious. Like let's, let's humble ourselves as Husker fans and not expect to win national championships and not expect to be what it was in the nineties or the eighties or the seventies expect to compete in this new college football landscape that is ever changing all the time. The, the, the sands are always shifting with the college football landscape and very few coaches have been able to prove their ability to shift with the, with the tides, you know, and Nick Saban is a perfect example of that. He's made necessary changes in order to stay relevant in the changing college football landscape. Um, Mm -hmm. And outside of Nick Saban there, you've got like a Dabo Sweeney who Mm -hmm. is good, but I, I wouldn't even put him on the tier with Nick Saban. So it's it's the Pareto distribution. I don't know if you know what the Pareto distribution, uh, what that is exactly, but there's like a law in the universe where, uh, where essentially there's a bell curve of success, and as you start to go up that bell curve, more success is given to less and less people, and it's it's kind of like that adage that is talked about in the in the Bible where it's like to to those who or what is it like. To those who are given or to those who have more will be given and to those who have none, you will even have less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's just a law of the universe. And so can we expect by some law of the universe that we're going to somehow be back to a national championship contending level? No, we shouldn't expect that. Um, but what we should expect is that we're going to hire a competent coach that is going to have a good footing on the college football landscape and can at least move with it. And Mm -hmm. goodness gracious, let's get back to eight wins. Like that's the bar for me. Let's just get some eight win seasons. Like (laughs) let's, let's do that. And yeah, the, the news came out and I was just relieved. I was, I was relieved because I knew that this was going to happen and it finally happened. And now we just get to wait. We got to wait and see what is Mickey Joseph going to do as a as an interim head coach. What is Mark Whipple going to do being the solo play caller? Um, sure. I mean, Shenander has just got to be shitting in his boots, like knowing <laughs> that this isn't there isn't a really good end to this story for him, unless for some reason we. Unless for mm-hmm. some reason we play Oklahoma and we win Oklahoma and then we go on a seven and two run for the for or yeah yeah seven and two run for the rest of the season, maybe he saves his job, but I doubt it. And well, I mean Zach Zach Duvall Zach Duvall like that is probably the most unrecognized error in our program that took this long for me to recognize is 
how physically unprepared and unconditioned our team is going into any mm-hmm. given season. Um, so those are two guys, Eric Shenander and Zach Duvall. I'm like, you, I don't know if you guys are keeping your jobs. You know, they, they, uh, I don't remember who it was in the press conference. I don't know if you caught it, but somebody asked uh, Trev specifically about whether or not there were any other coaches whose heads, quite frankly, might be on the chopping block. And Trev said, no, my job <laughs> is done here. Anybody else, any staff changes that happen in the future is going to be up to Mickey if it happens this season. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you want to read too deeply into that, but that tells me that Trev has probably pulled Mickey aside and said, I want you to run the show. But there's a couple of dudes here that have kind of let the program down that maybe or maybe not should stick around while you're here. Just, I don't know. I might be completely reading into that, but no, um, no, I think, I think that, I think that is a, very fair point to point out. Um, yes, I did catch that and I didn't want to read too much into it. Um, the way that, and, and I don't mean to go off track here, but the way that Trev Alberts handled that press conference was an absolute artwork mm-hmm. of words to witness. Um, just, it was like watching like, uh, no, I'm not going to use that metaphor cause it's, it's good. Actually. Yeah, I will. Um, it's like, it's like when I'm watching, uh, it's like when I'm watching, uh, this is, this is something I like. I like watching hip hop artists, rap artists, specifically rap artists that do freestyles. Shout out Harry Mack. Um, the way that they are able to on the spot, come up with the most correct Mm -hmm. possible combination of words off the top of their head. Uh, um, is is just un, unfathomable to witness and trev has proven his his ability to just be a a mason of words like just an absolute nope. artist um mm-hmm. and when it came to that comment about mickey joseph i really respect that trev alberts knows his place as an athletic director and an athletic director is not somebody who micromanages um, same thing with a coach. He doesn't want a coach that micromanages and he wants to exemplify the leadership qualities yes. that he wants in his guys that are below him. And so that is like textbook, good leadership right there. I'm not going to micromanage your staff. And I hope mm-hmm. that you will do the same and giving that baton to Mickey Joseph. And I highly doubt Mickey Joseph. I don't want to say highly doubt. I, I don't suspect that Mickey Joseph is going to make any any immediate decisions, probably even up until the end of the season. Um, I think that it would probably just be the best decision to just let the rest of the season play out as it's going to play out. And uh, if there were to be a change, it would be a, a behind-closed-door. Mickey Joseph meets with Trev Alberts and is like, all right, it's week five now. I mm-hmm. want to uh, start looking into defensive coordinators. We need to start figuring out. But even if that happens, it's still right. not going to happen. It's not going to happen this season. So, uh, shoot. No, I just high praise to Trev Alberts. Like, I know that when he first got hired, there was a lot of controversy surrounding him. And it was kind of easy to maybe look into it and be like, oh, yeah, there's some red flags there. 
But when I look at Trev Alberts and his history, from what I can tell is that he is a man of his word and that he's mm-hmm. willing to do things. He's willing to do things that are right, even if they even if they aren't uh, expedient and immediately satisfying. Um, and and I I honestly think you know like could have he chosen to fire Frost after last year? Absolutely, but no, he wanted to give this guy an eighth chance because it's not even a it wasn't even a second chance after last season it was yeah. it was a you get unreasonable amounts of grace at this point um and trev trev did that so props to trev and his ability mm-hmm. to conduct himself as our athletic director thus far i mean 15 games uh, uh, mm-hmm. under his belt as an athletic director for our football program <laughs> It's looking, it's looking, it has the potential to be good down the road, but we will see. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, <clears throat> got a few more viewers now. Please, if you are watching us right now, we'd like to hear what you have to say about this topic in our comments section. Um, hey, our one of our guests from, uh, there he is right there. Hey, bro. What's up, Mikey? Hey, dude, if you're hanging out, you want to talk about Scott Frost being fired today after the Georgia Southern game, hop on your phone, man. The link is in the comments section on YouTube. You can hop on with us, Mike, and anybody else that's watching. If you want to come hop on with us, too, please just need a cell phone and a pair of earbuds. Hop on the stream with us, and we'll talk about uh, all things Scott Frost or what's happening after Scott Frost, namely the next coach. Um, but before we go there, I would like to also comment on how Trev Alberts handled the press conference today. Number one, because it seemed like there were about three or four reporters in the room that their whole job was try to get Trev Alberts to admit that he regrets keeping Scott Frost going into 2022, yep. which to me is absolute chicken shit journalism. You're not getting a story for now. You're trying to get a story that you wanted in the past. You're trying to get an athletic director to confirm shit you wrote back in the past. Going, I don't get why Trev Alberts decided to keep Scott Frost around for another year. You know, we saw a lot of those stories. So to me, that's chicken crap journalism. I hate it. I hate when people do that. So I'm glad that he kind of shut that down pretty quickly and just said, hey, wouldn't be fair to Scott Frost for me to talk badly about this, that, or the other. Uh, he was extremely magnanimous, magnanimous. I was also very impressed with the fact that he, while I love the fact that Mike Riley came up and talked to the reporters after he got fired, pretty stand-up guy for doing that. I think it was even more stand-up that after talking with Trev and knowing that he's not coming back as the coach come next week, Trev let him go in the locker room, talk to his boys. And Trev announced that, you know, their coach was not coming back in front of Scott, in front of the team, stand up on both of their parts, and then left the room to allow Scott to have that time to say goodbye. Um, Breaks my heart. But at the same time, completely stand-up move by both of them. Um, So that that meant a lot to me. 
Um, and, and call me an old sentimental fool. I appreciate one Husker covering the back of another Husker who didn't quite meet the standard. Because that's really what we're at here, right? We know what the Husker standard is. Scott knows what the Husker standard is. And he knew he didn't meet it. And for, Trev said that. Scott was very, very cordial and appreciative and whatnot in their meeting, knowing full well that this was coming. Um, so I appreciate how both of those guys handled it. And for me, the hard part is not losing Scott as a coach. The hard part is knowing that he's got a young family at home, that he's got to figure out <laughs> how to raise his kids, knowing full well that he couldn't make it work at his alma mater. Uh, the place that he moved them most of the way across the country to uh, take this job. So um, I appreciate how Trev handled it. I appreciate how Scott handled it. Would have been really cool to kind of hear from him. At the same time, I don't blame him for not wanting to say anything. Um, I appreciate the fact that uh, Mickey Joseph is, from what I understand, uh, according to some of the things Trev said, the practices are going to be different. Yep. So maybe maybe some coaches are going to be like, no, we got to be different now out here on the field because this little short dude with a pissed off attitude ain't going to take any crap. Because <laughs> no, there's, there's no doubt that Mickey does not take any crap. I mean, did you, Xavier Betts is doing what? Going to school? That's it now because Mickey's not going to take any crap? Did you uh, hear the, uh, the locker room the reported locker room reception for Mickey Joseph being announced as the interim. The only thing I heard was what Trev said that um, he made some poignant comments to the team that were well-received. That's the only thing I've heard as far as the locker room reception, because I haven't been on Twitter or anywhere on social media after the announcement for about after about two hours after the announcement, I got down to getting all this crap set up and uh, yeah. <laughs> takes a lot of work to make me look good. Just saying, folks. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I didn't see. Was there any scuttlebutt out there about that? Yes, if I remember correctly, which is very unlikely. Um, Sipple had reported that the reception in the locker room when it was announced that Mickey Joseph was going to be taking the interim head coaching position, that the locker room erupted with with cheers. And that the there was a lot of hype that there were a lot of guys that were very excited about it. And that really speaks to the character of Mickey Joseph. Um, doesn't seem like a guy who uh, who takes any shit. He seems like right. a guy who is very firm and very fair and is a is what I would consider a pro like a a. a like a, I can't think of the word. He would be like a, an archetypal dad. Um, he's he's got that firm but fair kind of dad mentality. Um, is gonna bust your balls when necessary, but is gonna pat you on the back when necessary. And and so knowing that, well, not necessarily knowing, but hearing that the locker room erupted with joy that he was gonna be their dad. That kind of that kind of speaks highly of uh, even high more highly of of Mickey Joseph's character, um, and potentially we might see a shift in culture uh, the rest of this season. Um, but yeah. who knows? 
He's got no. a nine-game audition. He's never been a head coach in his life. So there's a lot of a lot of people out there going, well, does Mickey have a shot? And Trev was, was even asked, is Mickey going to be in consideration? And Trev, to his credit, said, I told Mickey right from the get-go, this is going to be a nationwide search. And depending on how things go by the end of the season, your name could be involved. And I thought that was pretty stand-up. <laughs> Yeah, hearing that the the locker room erupted means that they love Mickey. I think they love Scott, too. No doubt in my mind they love Scott. But I think they absolutely love Mickey and what he's about. Um, and that's pretty cool. Here you go. I don't know if the Go Big Redcast talked about it on their live stream. I, unfortunately, sorry, Honky and guys, I didn't get to see it. I was too busy prepping myself and <laughs> didn't do a whole lot of prep anyway. But, um <sighs> Did you? Dang it! I don't know. What, don't know where I was going with that thought. My bad. Uh, Brain cramped. Completely cramped. Um, oh, storyline. That, that's where I was going. Do you know who the uh, football team was that Mickey Joseph was playing against? That basically ended his uh, college football career at Nebraska. Oklahoma. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, Tale maybe everybody's going to make that a storyline. Mickey probably won't because he's not that, not that kind of guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't mention it in the locker room or maybe posted an article up in somebody's locker here and there to let them know that, yeah, I used to play here. You know I used to play here, and I was good. And I was good until them bastards across the line from you made sure I couldn't be good anymore, which would have been – don't remember if that was right. Yeah, it would have been. He and Casey Thompson's dad knew each other. They were buddies. Wow. So you got all that figured in, too. So <laughs> don't know what that means. I don't know. But I think it's a storyline to consider that this is going to mean something to Mickey playing OU this next week against a uh, head coach with his first uh First gig as a head coach, much like Mickey. So he's got two more games experience, but that's it. So, um, but we'll talk about OU l later on this week, folks. I, I can't give you a day when we're going to sit down and specifically take a look at the OU game. We're not going to do that tonight. Tonight, we're really kind of focused in on, you know, the Georgia Southern game that happened last night and the re repercussions, which is obviously that um, the prodigal son, won't get to return, <laughs> at least to the football program anyway, in any kind of official capacity. He's now done. The father has removed the ring from his finger, <laughs> unlike the story said. Um, we should talk about possible coaches. Um, I know you've got a nice list here. Uh, two or three of them definitely have got yeah. my interest. Yeah, uh, I just wanted the, to... I just wanted to preface that this is all speculation. I have sure. absolutely zero confidence and I have no interpretation of, of what any of these guys mean for our program moving forward. And that regardless of how much we want to chitter and chatter about it, we are just specks of dust. We mean nothing. Um, and that goes for anybody that isn't mm -hmm. sitting in the athletic director's office at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, we can speculate all we want, but ultimately we have absolutely no weight in the decision-making when it comes to this. Um, so just know that as we go into this discussion that 
there is no official capacity at which we hold any weight, um, which is assumed, but I just, I get so sick and tired of people (laughs) talking about possible coach hires as if, as if their opinion holds any weight at all. Um, so I just wanted to humbly as best as I can with the most (laughs) ego possible, um, to make it as ironic as possible. Um, this doesn't mean shit. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, let's, uh, this is a little list that I compiled that I've just seen floating around Twitter. A few names I was already before this game and before the inception of Frost getting fired. Before any of this happened, there were obviously these names floating around even last season. Um, sure. And actually looking at pretty much all these names, aside from maybe three of them that I've gotten written down, all of them had been mentioned since last year. So, um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Out of, out of this list, here we go. I'm just going to read them off really quickly just so that the <laughs> audience can you this know, list is for entertainment hear. purposes only they mean nothing whatsoever to any kind of future of nebraska football and god knows trev alberts will tell you to shut the fuck up if you dare to mention any of these names but here you go these yes. are the names we've I got just, <laughs> i just wanted to name them off so that when uh when i ask this next question it's at least kind of out in the air already so i've got Luke Fickle with Cincinnati, Dave Aranda with Baylor, Matt Campbell with Iowa State, Mark Stoops with Kentucky, Matt Rule with the Carolina Panthers, Bill Mm O'Brien with Alabama, Lance Leipold with Kansas, Gary Patterson with Texas, Chris Kleiman from Kansas State, Deion Sanders with Jackson State, Jacksonville State, Jackson, whatever, JSU, and an Urban Meyer penis. Um, So... (laughs) I've got all of those names. There's probably some that are obviously floating around as well, but these are just the ones that I just shit out really quick. Um, Out of all of those names, what's the first one out of that list that intrigues you the most? Intrigues you the most? It's a tie between two, and I know I should probably pick one, but it's a tie between two, Uh, namely because both of these guys know the Big Ten. Uh, number one, uh, in no particular order, would be Bill O'Brien at Alabama. Uh, this guy went into a situation at Penn State after the Jerry Sandusky crap and Joe Paterno retires, resigns, whatever the what hell it was, and then three months later dies because for some reason, not being the coach at Penn State, decided to kill him. Um, <laughs> sad. It's sad to say, but that dude was a coach for half a century and he didn't know that his defensive coordinator was diddling kids, but you know, whatever. Um, But Bill O'Brien came into a situation at Penn state, which was like two notches below the death penalty that SMU got. If you've not seen the documentary, the pony express on the 30 for 30 for ESPN, go watch it because they got hammered with, literally the death penalty for being able to compete in division one college football. Penn state got pretty close to the same thing. And Bill O'Brien still got those sons of guns to a bowl. Uh, I think every year that he coached. So that is some serious coaching. Granted we beat him twice. I think maybe only once. I think it was only once because we only played him twice kind of during that era. There was the, 
the game that we played in Penn State right after Petrino was fired and they had their interim coach and the interim coach wanted Pelini to come over and kneel next to him while Ron Brown led the pregame prayer for both teams and all that good stuff. And then the next year in Lincoln, Bill O'Brien, I think that was his first year as the full-time head coach at Penn State and it was all we could do to beat him. With a depleted roster, he couldn't recruit but, what, 10, 15 guys a year, I think, was all he could get for the first two – or all Penn State could get for the first two or three years after the scandal. Uh, that's some coaching. The dude can coach. Had a rough go in the NFL at the Houston Texans. I get it. And he probably brings a little bit of baggage, but damn it. He's the offensive coordinator at Alabama, and they figured out how to beat Texas – yesterday when it looked like they weren't going to do it but when it mattered he figured it out called the plays that worked so bill o'brien for me and right next to him would be dave aranda at, at baylor uh, because he was that defensive coordinator at uh, wisconsin that just other than jim leonard who's at wisconsin now uh, I don't think there's been a better defense coordinator at Wisconsin or somebody who knows the Big Ten better than that guy. So those are the two names right off the gate that grab my attention. I, I would take, in no particular order, either of those two, I would be really, really happy with the hire. So I don't know. What what do you think? What names pop out to you? Um, shoot, I asked that question to you, not actually really having a substantial answer for myself. Um, I was just curious more so what you what you thought since you kind of are a little bit more plugged in with the history of some of these coaches, which I am not. Um, I, I would say that the most intriguing name that pops out to me right away is Luke Fickle. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, when he was the interim at Ohio State, he went six and seven. Um, and spent a very long time at Ohio State. Let me see. He spent boo, 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 basically from 2002 all the way up until 2016. He's been at Ohio State. Um, so he knows the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And that would be probably my first initial uh, like want for him is that he knows the Big Ten. And of course, he knows what it means to be the creme de la creme of the Big Ten, which is Ohio State. Um, sure. You know, with his little blemish of being the interim, but I mean, what can you expect as an interim head coach? I, as much as I love Mickey Joseph, I'm not expecting much from him, um, which is probably a good thing. Uh, I, I, sug- I highly recommend everybody do that. But anyway, um, I mean, he knows. He knows what it takes to win in the Big Ten. And... I, I would love nothing more than to see him find his way to Lincoln, Nebraska mm-hmm. um, and get a second shot at a head coaching job. But obviously the red flag there is that this would be his first tried and true head coaching gig. Um, yeah. First, first head coaching gig in a, in a power five conference in a power five conference. Granted, Cincinnati's moving to the Big Big Twelve, so technically they're a Power Five to be. But I mean, I think the Big Twelve. This is my opinion. I think the Big Twelve is bottom of the barrel when it comes to uh, when it comes to Power Five, with a probably a tie between the Pac-12 right now. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that, I feel like the Pac-12 and the Big 12 just like to battle each other for who's going to be bottom of the barrel for Power Five team for Power Five conferences. Um, and if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Clemson, then you know it would be the ACC. But that's sure. just me being a, a dickhead. So um, yeah, I would say Luke Fickle, and I know that there was something that Lars Anderson posted on Twitter saying that he's got an inside source saying that. Matt Campbell is a potential hire or whatever. Um, I he just beat I, Iowa for the first time. Yeah, he because just because Iowa completely sucks. Yeah, he offense. didn't. He That's didn't the beat only them. reason he beat Iowa them. They beat, beat them. themselves. Yes, yeah. I, 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 I would no. not. I would take a Matt Campbell because I know that he would probably get us up to seven or eight wins in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. Maybe not his first year here, but. There's a competent coach right there. I don't think that Matt Campbell is an incompetent coach. I mean, he brought Iowa State to national relevancy. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't just do that with a with a set of incompetent personality traits. Like, well, you know, he knows the Purdy family too. You know, Chubb's older brother played for him for four years, so he knows exactly. But one of the things that I did have to say is that. Yes, it's rumor mill comes from Lars Anderson, but Lars Anderson is undefeated with uh, coaching hires for Nebraska, predicting coaching hires. He predicted uh, he predicted Fred Hoiberg, and that came true. He predicted Will Bull, and that came true. And he predicted Scott Frost, and that came true. Um, long before it became a mm-hmm. national media talking point, He was kind of the breaking inside source for those things. So I don't know who in the athletic department that he knows that is an absolute snitch, but whoever it is, whatever party that, that those people are affiliated with, I mean, is he going to go undefeated again and be four for four? Mm -hmm. I don't know, but history kind of shows that he might possibly be onto something with that. I wouldn't be surprised, and and this is just me, knowing Trev being a black shirt at heart, he's going to be looking for that defensive-minded coach, which Matt Campbell is definitely more of a defensive because you cannot argue that Iowa State's defense is way better since he's been in control of that program than it ever has been before. Uh, then again, defending Iowa is not all that difficult. Just make sure the, you know, Wide receivers aren't open because <laughs> yeah. God knows if they are, you know, even if they are, the quarterback can't hit them. Um, but yeah, Matt Campbell would be a good, good. I think Mark Stoops would be a good choice, um, but I don't think he leaves Kentucky. No, Why would he's he got leave a really Kentucky? good contract there. He's got a great contract and I don't think they're going to let him leave. I think they're going to make sure they they pay him what he needs to get paid if somebody comes calling. Um, Matt Rule made a lot of stuff happen at uh, Vanderbilt, and he went to Baylor and, and uh, kind of filled the gap between himself. I think he was only there a year. Between uh, Art Bryles and uh, Dave Aranda was when Matt Rule was there, and they went to a bowl. I think they won nine or 10, excuse me, nine or 10 games that year. He wouldn't be a bad choice. I'm more concerned. Excuse me. Goodness. Yeah. You're having a good time over there. Too much good food. 
<laughs> even on my diet, your mom made something that was diet approved and I ate a lot of it. Yeah, no, he was, he was Baylor's head coach for three years. Um, I, I was going to say, I felt like he was there okay. a little bit, a little bit longer. Let me, let me see real quick. Yeah. So he was there and he went 11 and one, or he went one and 11, his, his first, uh, his first season. Then he, then he got them to, you know, just above 500 and got them mm-hmm. to seven and six, um, which they were six and six. And then they got a, uh, they got a win in their mm-hmm. bowl game. Um, but then, yeah, he went 11 and three and lost in the sugar bowl. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he turned that program around and set I, the, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have a problem with Matt rule. I really wouldn't. I, I the guy can coach and maybe he's not cut out for the NFL, which geez, Louise urban Meyer obviously was not cut out for the NFL. He, he liked the NFL strip clubs, obviously. Uh, yep. but definitely was not cut out for coaching. And if I'm going to eliminate any names off of this list, the first name I'm eliminating is Urban Meyer because there's no freaking way on planet Earth that uh, Trev Albert's moral compass would even consider an individual like Urban Meyer. Yeah, granted, we're going to get more W's on our record, but there's a difference between coaching for Nebraska and coaching for Ohio State. You know, um, I don't think Trev is going to want to get the W's while also taking a hit in the public relations department. Um, Dion no, Sanders, we've already got, we've already give me got a break. Dion's waiting to go back to Florida State. He's oh, waiting yeah. for Norvell to fail, fail at, Nor- at Florida State so he can go there and make sure that all the NIL money that he's getting at Jacksonville State goes with him to Florida State to buy all the best players in Florida. Um, no, he would be he would be what would be considered a uh, resume coach. He mm-hmm. would just come to Nebraska for a few years, build his resume, and then deuce out. He wouldn't want to be here for the long haul. Now, Deion Sanders, in, that is. An interesting name you've got on the list, simply because we have one of or two of his players here right now, is Gary Patterson. I wouldn't consider Chris Kleiman. I think he's a good no. coach for for Kansas, but other than beating Texas last year. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and they had to do that in a shootout with what seven overtimes. Um, Gary Patterson, which a lot of people were saying when Bo Pelini was fired, we should have been talking to Gary Patterson. Yeah, I remember that name. Um, he had hellacious defenses at TCU. That's why they were so good, was because their defenses were so good. Uh, he coached O'Shawn Mathis. He was part of the recruitment process for um, AJ Allen before he got fired. So that's an intriguing name simply because defense is where our, our, our team, at least as of last week, or well, the entire season <laughs> has been lacking because offense has actually been pretty freaking good. So Gary Patterson is definitely um, intriguing to me. Matt rules, intriguing Mark Stoops. I don't think that happens. I think the most realistic choices would be David, Dave Aranda, Luke fickle, uh, Bill O'Brien and um, Gary Patterson. I think those are the four most realistic choices on the list. What do you think? I think I think you're pretty much right. As as much as it seems like, just from a basic observation point, that I see Matt Campbell's name more and more often, uh, more often than not, I should say. Um, 
Yeah, I would like to see yeah a Luke Fickle, a Dave Aranda, Bill O'Brien, Gary the only, Patterson. The, the only reason I would say that Luke Fickle is kind of out of the realm of possibility is because I think he's waiting for Ryan Day to go to the NFL. And I know we've heard on heard that on many podcasts. I know yes, I have. I've heard it. And, many and times. I think there's there's some truth to that. That Ryan Day was kind of courted by the NFL last year. They're kind of waiting to see what Ohio State does this year. Um, if he, if they go if they win 10 11 games i think day is off to the nfl and fickle goes to ohio state so there's really no reason to even consider that name on the list in my opinion because i think day probably wins at least 11 this year and probably hops off to the nfl for a lot of freaking cuz hey he might fail like urban meyer royally but he's going to be set up for life <laughs> Yes. Who doesn't want to be set up for life, right? Um, so, you know, Dave Aranda, Brian, Bill O'Brien, because Bill O'Brien's in that, you know, that same category of coaches that a lot of coaches have been. The guy that damn near beat Nick Saban yesterday uh, was his offensive coordinator at Alabama two years ago, three years ago, something like that, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, so Bill O'Brien is kind of in that as – Schmitty says on Hale Barshi, the uh, Nick Saban rehabilitation program for coaches. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe Bill O'Brien shows up at Nebraska and Scott Frost goes to Alabama to uh, coordinate Nick Saban's offense. You never know. You absolutely never know. But um, yeah, I anyway. just want to I want to find if, if there were any coach that I would that I would want to have. I don't care what their name is or where they come from. Um, I just want them to have the kind of vision that let's say a Nick Saban had about Alabama. Cause after Paul bear Bryant, I mean the best coaching record that you could find was in the eighties and nineties between Bill Curry and Gene Stallings, where they yep. were able to get around a 700 uh, winning loss record. And then they drop down pretty poorly to a 500, a 600 record, a 300 mm-hmm. record. And then Nick Saban revived the program. You know, the, the way that I view, and this is obviously Nebraska bias, the way that I view Nebraska's blue blood history is that, yes, in the current day and age, Nebraska has fallen out of national championship contending relevancy. That's just, that's just a given. Um, but you just don't lose that blue blood, that blue blood blood. You don't lose that right away. Um, that takes lots and lots of time. It would take probably mm-hmm. four or five decades of irrelevancy for Nebraska to really lose their blue blood ship. Um, right. And if there's any coach that I would want, I would want a Nick Saban to look at this program and see it as the final destination. And then when there's success, it is the final destination. Because what mm-hmm. I see in a lot of places like Reddit and, and even Twitter and whatnot is this general consensus that Nebraska has found itself being a, 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 a intransient program. That you go to Nebraska mm-hmm. so you can build your resume so that you can go somewhere else. And I just don't think that that is the case. Um, I think that Nebraska is a final destination place for somebody to get to. And it just takes, it'll probably take a decade. 
it's going to probably take a decade. I don't think that it's going to be like a Nick Saban where he just shows up and then within two years he is on the national stage ready to compete for a national championship. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see that happening necessarily simply because of the context of Nick Saban went to the SEC where he's able to get those Alabama and those Georgia recruits and fish right. over at Texas and, and Florida and just start grabbing five stars here and there. Um, I, I don't see that, but what I do see is a potential landing spot for any coach worth their salt to be like, this is where I want to retire and I'm going to be here for the long haul. I don't mm-hmm. care about the NFL. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to be here until the day I'm ready to go buy a ranch somewhere and spend my funnel years looking at sunsets and some beautiful multi-million dollar ranch. Um, that's that's what I think. That's what I think the the final destination for any coach going to Nebraska with their mindset should be is that this is this is where I'm going to finish my career uh, in a good way. That is, uh, but yeah, that's just that's what I would like to see out of a coaching hire. I don't know if we're going to get it this round. I. Out of all of these, out of all of these coaches, do I see them with my minimum knowledge as being like the final destination coach? I honestly don't think so. Um, but if they could build our program to a point in the next, you know, six to nine years where we're sitting at a nice 750, 800 record and somebody who is like just the actual home run hire, that would be great. Yeah, that's that's probably the best case, most likely scenario um, that I could see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah um, you know, we've all seen it. Uh, there's all kinds of fans out there that are like, "Okay, we've done the Nebraska way too many times now. Let's not hire a Nebraska guy. Let's hire somebody that does doesn't have any connection to the program." you know, all that good stuff, because maybe they'll stick around for a while. Well, maybe not. Um, we need to find that guy that that sees this program as a destination hire, not a stepping stone. And unfortunately, what Nebraska has become, based on the way we've played, is kind of a stepping stone. And that sucks. So yep. maybe what Nebraska uh, and what Trev needs to look for is that guy like a Dave Aranda that's made Baylor good and he's ready to step up and make somebody else even better to come to Nebraska. And cause he knows Wisconsin, he's going to look at Wisconsin and go, I know how to beat those guys. Cause I was those guys, or maybe he needs to look at a bill O'Brien who goes, I know how to build something up from the ashes of something that was really bad. And who knows, maybe he need. there's another name that's not even on your list that uh, Trev has in his back pocket that we don't even know about. What I do know is I have a lot more confidence in Trev Alberts making this next hire because he is a Nebraska guy. He's going to look for somebody who has those Nebraska type qualities, whether it's a Nebraska legacy or not. He's going to look for somebody who embodies what Nebraska is all about, which is win the right way, play hard, and uh, without a doubt, don't embarrass yourselves on the field. 
Or as, as, as Trev said himself, he wants to find a guy who hates losing more than loves winning. He likes winning. Yep. Yep. And then he followed that up by saying, not that that's what Scott, you know, that would be unfair for, to Scott, for me to say it, to imply that he didn't hate losing more than he loved winning. It just didn't work. Yeah. Right. So you got to find that guy that can, that feels the same way Scott did. Cause I have absolutely no doubt that Scott Frost poured a hundred percent of who he is as a person into making Nebraska be what he thought it could be. I have no doubt in my mind. It just didn't work. Just oh. didn't work. So um, anyway, dude, I, you know, I think we've covered about everything we can cover. Nobody else decided to join us, which was fine because you know what? This was a good therapy session for me, kind of like last week was and kind of like the week before was. So, um, and here we are looking directly into the future with a, you know, a short kid from Louisiana fixing to, to uh, drop a bunch of F-bombs in practice. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> Come next week. <laughs> so, uh, God bless you, Mickey. We are so glad you're our interim coach. If you even happen to see this or anybody tells you about, about us talking about you, we are completely 100% sharing you on, man. Um, cannot wait to see what you guys come up with against Oklahoma next week. We're going to uh, be there. Cannot wait. Yep. You and I are going to be there. We're going to be up in 600 again. Is that the plan? I think we're in the nosebleeds. Bleeds. The other nosebleeds. Nose you nose finish bleeds. off your 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 thought, and I will uh, confirm or oh, deny. No. Yes, we are going. We are going to this game. As much as I don't want to go to this game because I'm afraid of the pain that will ensue, <laughs> uh, I just can't. I can't not go to something like a Oklahoma game. Oh yeah, we are in the 600 sections. Nice. Awesome. Sweet. Awesome. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the Wisconsin there. game that we're all the way at the tippy top. That's what it was. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah. yeah in I'm 600 or the, one of the end zones? One of the end zones. We're up in the okay. top, top corner, road 96, right up against the wall, which is nice because then we get I a like nice – we, we don't have knees digging into our back. Yep. Um, yep. You can stand but, up and sit, uh, sit up against the wall. Yep, that'll work. Yep. Yeah, that'll work. Awesome. No, we'll be in we'll be in six six hundred and thirteen for the OU game, and and yeah, Mickey, like we'll probably end up cutting this into a a a very specific section on YouTube. Um, we yep. we wish nothing but the best for you. I would love nothing more than to see you build the rapport for these next nine games to earn yourself a head coaching a head coaching gig here. Um, Me too. Yeah, you know, like Me too. I, I don't know what fire you need to set underneath the defense when that isn't necessarily your your realm of expertise, but my goodness, like the the sky's the limit yeah. for you, dude. Like, go for it. Knock 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 out knock us out of our socks, man. Like, go win seven or eight of these next nine games and just blow mm-hmm. blow me away. Like, I I I look forward to it if that's what you do. I remember watching uh, Mickey play right before Tommy Frazier showed up on campus. And the word on Mickey Joseph was, well, he's got small hands, can't really grip the football like everybody else in the quarterback room can, but damn, that dude is a gamer. And he was. Every year he played here, he was a gamer. And I don't think uh, Mickey forgot about that game against Oklahoma. 
I think it's no. stuck in his head, and I think he's going to use it for a little bit of motivation for his team. Who knows what that gets them, but uh, Coach Joseph, <laughs> dude, I can't be more in my in your corner than I am right now. Um, so glad that you got that. There's a reason, and I, I think I said it in the post on Twitter. Somebody had asked why Shenander <laughs> wasn't named the interim head coach. And I was like, well, oh, yeah, he wasn't giving that. me a, the associate head coach title like Mickey was. And I think that was on purpose. Not, I don't know if it was Scott Frost choosing, but I think Trev was like, this guy, you need to give him that tag just in case days like today come along. And they did. So, and he is, he's the head coach for now. And uh, Husker Nation, myself, Scott, we're all completely behind you, Mickey, and we cannot absolutely cannot wait to see what you have in store for Oklahoma next week. Uh, so for now, folks, we really appreciate you watching. Um, we are in uh, still involved in the promotion for the Team Jack Foundation's 10th annual Radiothon coming up on September 29th from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you want more information about the Radiothon, please go to teamjackfoundation.org to find out about the Radiothon or to donate. Just $20 a month will help go a long way to defeating pediatric brain cancer in young children. Um, anyway, uh, to follow us, you can find us at GenRedPod at uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or Generation Red on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share this show, as well as leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app. It helps other folks find us. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and like this video. Helps folks find it. And until next time, he's Scott. I'm Ken. Together we are the Generation Red podcast. And... Huh, Never thought we would do a show like this where we're not talking about Scott Frost as head coach, but here we are. And no matter what anybody tells you, there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. I was corn sucks and go big red. <laughs> you know, I left you just enough room to do that because that's uh, they're just not living rent free in my head anymore because their corn doesn't just suck. Their offense sucks. I think we all saw that the last couple Saturdays. <laughs> At least our <laughs> scores points. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right, later, folks. We'll see you next week.